they're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 of beauty. On the ice with the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping. Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. These golden games have their crowning moments. It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you again today for episode 127. Why not put the count on it there? Another interview and one that I have been so looking forward to bringing you today. I've talked this one up a lot over the last few weeks and I am thrilled and pumped and excited that finally you get to hear this today. Ashley Werner, an Australian bobsledder, a fantastic chat. You're going to love every single second of this one. Recorded this one several weeks ago, just before Tokyo happened. So it was sort of at a point where we could have aired it before Tokyo, but we wanted to focus on the Summer Olympics. We thought we'd save this one after Tokyo so we can kind of do our cross-interview platforms we're doing between the Winter and the Summer Olympics after Tokyo and in the lead-up to Beijing. But this interview, you will love it. Ash is a fantastic storyteller. She really, really goes into so much detail about her career, where she's at, and it's just a lot of fun. I don't even want to give you much of a preview ahead of this one because I don't want to spoil it in any capacity. Just be warned, there is singing in this interview, and not just from Ash. I may sing in this interview too. You have been warned. Without further ado, here is our chat with Australian bobsledder Ashley Werner. A couple of months back on Off the Podium, we had our first taste of an Australian a bobsledder in Brianna Walker talking to her about her current form and her hopes ahead of Beijing 2022, particularly in that of the monobob. And during that interview, we spoke to her a little bit about what happened in Pyeongchang, the fact that she was basically an Olympian, she was an Olympian, and then unfortunately her and her teammate uh, got cut right at the last minute. Her teammate is joining me on the line now to not only speak about those experiences, but the experiences in leading up to what will be her first Olympics in uh, about six or so months time and uh, very exciting times for her in the lead up to Beijing 2022. I do, of course, speak of the one, the only Miss Ashley Werner. Ash, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's it's very, very exciting because we, we live in a unique period of time right now where we have one Olympics and then basically another Olympics within the space of six months. So as soon as we've essentially gone, oh, cool, Tokyo was great, we're now like, cool, stuff those guys, we're on to Beijing. So for you, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's almost been a normal time period. You haven't had that extra year as uh, summer people have, but uh, can you believe that we're, you know, six, seven months away from, I guess, this big goal that you've been aiming towards since uh, the disappointment of Pyeongchang? I cannot believe it. To, to be fair, I've been looking forward to this since I was four years old, so it seems like an even <laughs> longer time. But I was saying the other day that I think only uh, athletes and PhD students will really actually realise how long and simultaneously short four years is. And, um, yeah, it seems it seems like it's just come up like yesterday and, and um, with the postponement of the Summer Games, everyone forgot that we were... <laughs> We were here yeah. too. So it's definitely been a little weird. <laughs> Which, I mean, 
It's kind of unique because I remember when they did the one year to go uh, earlier this year for Beijing, the AOC kind of posted a lot of social media. I think there was a a Channel 7 even did sort of like a a preview thing, which it was kind of odd because there was still so much focus on Tokyo. And that's never usually the case, is it? Because by the time there's one year to go for a winter games, the summer games were, you know, six months prior. So it is kind of unique. Do you feel it's kind of almost taken a bit of a a shine off uh, the the winter athletes because everyone's still being focusing on the damn summer Olympics? (laughs) I'm kind of hoping it's going to do the opposite, to be honest. I think coming, obviously coming from a summer nation where everyone's super excited about the summer games and then people kind of forget two years later there's a winter, maybe, just maybe, the fact that they're like six months apart will mean that the hype continues all the way through from the summer games to the winter games. So, I mean, I'm I'm an optimist. I'm really hoping it's going to work in our favour here. (laughs) I mean, you and I are sort of, uh, I think, a little bit too young to remember the days when it was a common thing that there was usually six months between the Olympics, obviously back when the winter yeah. games were in the same year as the summer Olympiad, you did literally always have like six months between them, but the winters came first. So it's kind of a lot of the, our old school listeners are probably going, ah, this is what we used to do back, you know, 1992 and before that. But it's, it's exciting though. Like Olympic fans. I mean, it's just, you know, you get two Olympic games in the space of, of six months. You don't have to wait around 18 months between a summer and, and the better ones, the winter ones, of course, as we all know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to agree. So Go I'll for it. Come on. You've got nodding, permission on this show. Can't see. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't see anything. This is uh, purely audio, essentially. But, uh, <laughs> you cannot see me nodding right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of the, the path into bobsleigh, Ash, because uh, you tried a, a myriad of different sports, uh, obviously growing up, and I'm guessing that was a goal of the Olympics. And I, I know you sort of uh, tried your hand a lot at rugby sevens and kind of uh, I saw an older interview with you where you were setting your goal towards Rio. So obviously that was a, a path that you were looking to take. So how do you go from on the cusp of maybe looking towards a Rio 2016 bid, a, a bid that you would have maybe had a medal if you had made that team, um, <laughs> versus to all of a sudden I'm going to be a, a, a bobsleigh, a bobslayer. Is that, that's correct, right? I got that right? That is my preferred term. Okay, yes, perfect. I think it Thank sounds you. way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I was playing rugby for a while. I was kind of like a touch football player, but I was sort of slightly like too big to be, I mean, I wasn't too big to be a touch football player, but like, you know, excuse the term, I was built like a brick shit house, And um, <laughs> that was kind of why I got into seven. Someone saw me and was like, wow, you look like your body was built for contact sport. And I didn't know if that was a compliment or not. So, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And <laughs> and um, rocked up to sevens and kind of got really involved in the sevens and fifteens life. Um, loved it. Really loved it. Um, and that was the goal for a long time. And then... Honestly, it happened completely by accident. A friend of mine who was also playing rugby at the time messaged me. We had a week off, a weekend off sports. So she was like, hey, let's go do some more training. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> and um, we rocked up to bobsled testing. We thought we were just testing data because uh, we got told that they were looking to kind of change the standards for the Australian team and they needed athletes. So we went along and and it turned out that they were Australian trials. And Wow. Um, and they said that I would make a great fit. And I was like, oh, uh, I don't know. You know, like I called my mom and my dad and I, I told them and they didn't believe me, which is fair because I didn't really believe me, to be honest. <laughs> and um, they said, yeah, we leave in three weeks. you you got to make a decision now. And I, wow. <laughs> I believe in everything happening for a reason. And I believe in opportunities coming when they do. And, and at the time, I think I was kind of like just on the cusp of being a bit too old for sevens. Um, and so I just 
I said, like, what's the worst that can happen? And I took it, took the opportunity. So, so what sort of year was this and kind of like, you know, so talking about how you felt you're a bit too old for sevens. I mean, were you sort of on path to maybe make an Olympic team for Australia or was that kind of where this sort of switch came from? Cause you thought, well, okay, maybe I'm not going to quite get there. Uh, I've just been nominated for the Aussie uni team. Um, so this was, it would have been towards the back end of 2016. So my goal, my goal actually was Tokyo. Um, and I remember one day at a dinner, I walked up to the Australian coach and I said, I'm going to be in your Tokyo squad. And he was <laughs> like, I look forward to seeing you there. So I was young, ho convinced, but, um, at the time I was like 22, 23. And I think, you know, at the time they're looking for sort of 16, 17, 18 year olds that could go through two Olympic quads and they could have that consistency. And, and, um, yeah, I guess I was just kind of on that, that fringe age. I never like to admit that, but <laughs> but I was young for bobsled, so they were like, "Hey, come here! You got like twenty years in you in this sport." I was like, "Perfect, okay. <laughs> give it a crack." So, I mean, in in all realism, though, had you said no to the bobsled and stuck with the rugby sevens, do you realistically think that, based on outside of the age factor, that you know you right now could be days away from going to Tokyo? Do you realistically think you could have made that team? You know, I don't know. I think. At the time, probably, probably not. Um, I think if I had the mentality and the work ethic that I have now back then, 100%, but I'm a completely different athlete now to how I was back then. Um, and I think for, for my sanity's sake, it's easier to say probably not. <laughs> and that I, I definitely made the right decision. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Probably yeah. not. Good answer. All right. So, uh, you know, I mean, we are just to kind of date this, we we're releasing this after Tokyo, but we're recording this before Tokyo. So to kind of <laughs> say what I'm about to say, this might not make sense if all of a sudden we're celebrating back-to-back -back gold. But, uh, yeah, screw them. They don't need to win a medal. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't make us feel worse. Yeah, all the, all the <laughs> best girls, you know, uh, go on, back-to-back -back gold in, in, in Tokyo. Kill it. <laughs> How, I mean, outside of the obvious question that I'm sure you get 101 people ask you of the exposure to bobsled probably being watching cool runnings how how familiar were you with the sport outside of a movie I mean had you seen it at the Olympics had this been something that you had had experienced or knew people sort of that had done this or was this just a case of oh yeah uh you know I'm, I might start having a lucky egg and start singing songs to make money to go to the Olympics yep uh, I definitely considered the latter but uh, I, you know, obviously being a, a woman in sport, love Yana Pittman. And so I knew of her journey. And I actually remember in 2014, I was on a camp at the time and we were watching the bobsled because Yana was in it, of course. And I remember saying to a friend, my God, that sport is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. And then here I am. But other than that, that like one comment and watching Cool Runnings every year, because no joke, it actually is my mom's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like she knew, um, yeah. Other than that, I didn't even know what a sled looked like. Wow. Wow. Which yeah. is, it's so fascinating. I mean, I guess what resonates about in all seriousness, a movie like cool runnings is kind of seeing sort of these guys out of their comfort zone, do a sport like this, because, you know, I'm sure if we've got any of our, you know, Germans or Canadians or Italians, our Swiss listeners going, Oh, Bob said, you know, that's just, I do that on a Tuesday night. Like, you know, it's a complete opposite for a country like Australia. So it's always unique hearing this journey and Yana Pittman. Yeah. Great example. Obviously that got a lot of press back in 2014 when she kind of made that switch. And uh, I mean, 
I guess that kind of helps to to inspire certain people with that because I'm, I'm not sure sort of how a big name like that switching to a sport like bobsled maybe puts a bit more eyes on it. So someone like yourself who obviously remember watching that or maybe some of the other athletes who are involved in the sport go, oh, cool, well, Yana can do it, then I can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it is crazy. I, I spent a I spent a lot of time in Lake Placid in upstate New York. <clears throat> uh, and one season I was doing some volunteer work there and my volunteer work was coaching the junior bob. And they're <laughs> eight-year-olds eight-year-old in a bobsled and on a luge sled and on a skeleton sled and i remember talking to the parents and i was like my goodness like you guys not fear death <laughs> and the, the parents are like no nah, what's the worst that can happen they just end up in hospital with a concussion and, and you're like right okay there's a very big difference between winter sport parents and and summer sport parents because i feel like my parents would have just been my parents had a problem with me playing rugby so <laughs> let alone this at the age of eight but yeah it's it's crazy the difference so what was their reaction then when they realized how serious you were when, you know, you obviously said you give a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden they're like, no, mom, dad, I, I am dead serious. I am going to be a bobsledder. Yeah. Well, I think my mom was really excited that I wasn't going to be doing rugby anymore. <laughs> um, she saw me get sat on once in a game and that was like it for her. And my dad is just super excited about sport in general. So he was like, yeah, like, woo, no idea what this means, but we're going to do it. Like you got this. And um, I think, I think the, the best and worst shock. I mean, I told my friends, none of my friends were surprised, which kind of took the fun out of telling people that I was going to a sport like bobsled. Everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's something you would do. That sounds like you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but then, but then when I got there and then like two weeks after we got there, I was in a crash in my first day in a two man sled and I broke both my shoulders and I had to call my mom and be like, Hey, <laughs> two slings <laughs> woo and she was wow. like ah oh, miss rugby <laughs> <laughs> getting sit on that's fine you know a couple yeah. of broken bones like after hindsight <laughs> hindsight rugby uh, high speed car crash because yeah. <laughs> uh we we talked to hannah campbell peg recently uh about luge it's one of these sports well like, i guess anything like luge skeleton and bob said i mean you know, from an outsider's perspective to, to someone like me, it's just like, cool, you just you just get in a sled, you push off and you just go for the ride. But obviously there's a there's a lot more to I know Roy and HG kind of did wonders for that about 20 years ago and just kind of making fun of it. But, I mean, is that when you first time you're in a sled, like is that all of a sudden, I don't know if you had that perception before you got in one and then all of a sudden you realise when you've got a couple of broken bones that maybe this is a little bit uh, harder and a little bit more difficult than simply just having a bit of a fast start and having a good old fun time on, a, on an afternoon. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I remember our first day seeing, because we, we actually, uh, Bree and I, we, we started in monobobs in our first ever season. Uh, they used to use it as a training tool before it was an Olympic discipline. And um, we were at Whistler, which is the fastest track in the world. And we went off start three, which was like corner seven. So they start you lower down when you're learning. So it's not as fast and you kind of get a feel for a bit of speed and how to drive the sled and what's happening. And um, I remember I was sitting in there and I had my helmet on, the guy's about to push me off. And I said, wait, 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 um, how, how fast are we going to go? And he's like, oh, about a hundred kilometers an hour. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I go, how do I steer? He's like, left goes left, right goes right. He pushed me off. And I was like, oh, my God. that's, that's your introduction to the sport. Go yep. for it. So, <laughs> Literally cool yeah. runnings. If they push him up, yeah. it's like, we're not letting it coach. Yes, we are. Just pushes him off. Coach, coach. It's the best way to do it. You're like, you know what? You have no idea what, what fear is until you're about to go. And then you're, you're going and you can't stop. And you're like, oh, well, 
better drive it. That's, that's how you learn. <laughs> because the thing is, it's like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Formula One fan, so kind of, you know, oh, steering, yes. I look at that. So it's kind of like, you know, but there's a difference because when you're in a car, you've got more control over it. You know, you've got corners, you've got speed, you've got straights, all that sort of stuff. With a bobsled, sure, you can steer it, but you're still also, I guess, at the mercy of the track because it's not like you can really make a decision to go, okay, I'm not going to go into this corner, I'm going to break and go <laughs> off the, the course, is it? Like you're kind of, as soon as you push down, you, you, you're just in the laps of the bobsled gods essentially, aren't you? Fun fact, before every run, I always say a little prayer to the bobsled gods. But I tell you, <laughs> there is... um. My, my number one like cardinal rule is respect the track. I think it's like this weird mix between horse riding and Formula One because, you know, horse riding, you're at the mercy of the horse and you can guide it and you can tell it where you want it to go. But at the end of the day, it's going to go where it wants to go. And in Formula One, the same thing. It's like high speed, quick reaction. You've got to kind of read the lay of the land. We've just kind of got that like third dimension of going on a wall. Yeah. So... It's Just, like this really cool mix between like two epic sports and I love Formula One as well. Um, I started getting into it because I found it was really similar to the way bobsled and bobsled teams are run. So like I claim right. I'm studying when I watch Formula One. But, well, I have to know. ask Ash, who, who, who's, <laughs> who's, your, who's your team? Who's your, who's your team and driver? This might make me judge yeah. you very hardly early on. Into I, know, I know. Look, I flip flop a lot and um, you never know how far this, this um, podcast could reach, but like, there is a, a joke in our team that I'm a massive Daniel Ricciardo fan. Like natural. Yep. I, oh, all the time. I'm just like, he's the, the one person that I want to meet. I want to get him in a bobsled. I want to get in a Formula oh, one car. He'd do it. I could see I him think, getting a bobsled right? straight away. He would just, right? he would love it. Yeah. Oh, we need to link this up. I'm desperate for it. You know, I'm a bobsled driver. He's a Formula one driver. I think we should do like a little switcheroo. Um, You've but, got similar you know, energy. I'm seeing this already. Like you kind of got this just passion and outgoing that it just seems like, you know, that you guys would just fit perfectly. Like stick you in a McLaren, put him in a bobsled, it would work. It's like that's the biggest compliment you can ever give another Australian, right? Like you got Daniel Ricciardo energy. It's oh, like, oh, stop. So much. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think I'm like a driver. I'm, I'm less of a team and I'm more of like I support the drivers, I think. But, yeah, he's he's got to be my number one. I'm just going to move my head slightly to that way and you can see probably that cap in the background to see who I support and we don't oh, really talk oh, about yeah. how we're yeah, not doing well. too well, poor old Ferrari. But um, no. No, I'm big Ricardo Beautiful fan, cars, of though. Beautiful cars. Oh, I mean, growing up, <laughs> Schumacher, Ferrari, I mean, you know, you yeah, couldn't avoid it, right? So it was just, no. it, it was a natural fit. When, when you do this journey, you get more into the sport. Now, you, I believe, started as a brake woman. Um, so, yes. like, how do you choose like if you know Brie does she just just go push you out of the way and I screw you Ash I want to be the driver and you're like okay fine I'll be the brake woman or like is it a case of no I'm shit at driving I would prefer to apply the brakes <laughs> I think um, at the time when we both first started Brie was a really naturally good driver she just had the hands for it and I'm I don't know if you can tell by my energy I'm kind of sometimes I'm a little bit like reckless let's go and at the time like because I had no idea what was going on um, I found it really hard to kind of put the context uh, together and drive. Um, so in our first season or in our, in, our, in our second season, I guess, Olympic year in 2018, we kind of sat down, had a conversation and I said, look, this, you're good at this. Um, and I, I love being a brakeman. I love working on the sled. I, I, I like to think I'm mechanically minded. There are probably a few people in my life that would disagree, but like <laughs> I loved working on the sled. Um, and I just enjoyed the aspect of being a brake woman. So I was like, I'm happy to, I'm happy to push you and see what happens. And then 
And then obviously after everything in 2018, we, we had another conversation and we both really wanted to grow the sport um, in our country. And the best way to do that was going to be to just have more drivers. So I said, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Um, I didn't know at the time if I wanted to stay in bobsled or kind of go back to rugby. I was sort of trying to feel that, feel that out a little bit. Um, so I said, I'd, get, I'd do a driving camp. <laughs> I went to Lake Placid, did a driving camp. My first day down the track, I'm like, okay, I need a sled. I need runners. I need a team. Like, this is my jam. This is my spot. And um, honestly, being a brakeman for two years had just put me in the best possible position to be a driver because I knew, well, if you know the tracks with your head between your legs, you're going to know them when you're looking at them. So essentially, (laughs) you think that, right? So um, yeah, I just learned so much in the backseat that when I started driving, it, it honestly just came so naturally to me. You literally went from that to be a backseat driver, technically. You kind of, you know, switched over and then that works. Exactly. exactly. Outside of the obvious answer to this question of you apply the brakes, what else is the role of the, the brakeman, brake woman sort of, you know, outside of, of the push start? Are you just ballast? Are you just literally there for the ride? I mean, can you, are you doing anything? Do you have to kind of focus on when you have to brake and, and know your point when you've got to apply them? Yeah, look, I, I got to admit, as a driver, um, unfortunately, we get all the credit. And I can 100% tell you that all I do is drive that thing to the bottom. Yes, it's an important part of it. But like my brakemen, my teammates, they deserve way more of the credit. And they honestly deserve all the credit. Because firstly, and most importantly, they have to put up with me. And um, like <laughs> I think uh, when I'm on season, I can be a little bit anxious because, you know, their lives are in my hands. And I want to... <laughs> I want to do the best I can do and driving can be quite difficult and challenging, but most importantly, they're in charge of like the push start and the sport is a third push, a third drive and a third equipment, but you can't outdrive a slow push. So I could be the best driver in the world, but if we push last, it's very hard for us to win a gold medal. So first and foremost, the push is mostly the brakeman. Secondly, uh, the brakeman are in charge of the sled. So before we, um, before we slide, I'll go for a walk, have a look at the ice conditions, kind of talk to my coach about the drive, my lines, everything. And essentially the brakemen are there making sure the sled, everything is where it needs to be. The sled's in tip-top condition. The runners are on, the right runners are on, everything's polished, everything's tightened, ready to go. And then when I get back up to the top, I know that the sled's taken care of. I know I've got the drive taken care of. They're warming up. They're going to do their job and I've got my job and, and, um, and yeah, and then we go. So I reckon, honestly, they have the most important job. The, the driver is just basically the prima donna. They get all the glory. They just kind of we like, just look know. good. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you're the one that. I mean, again, cool runnings, Doris. You know, like I mean, he gets all the glory, right? You know, I 100%. I saw what Junior did. Like, come on, Junior's <laughs> up there. He got he provided the money. Like, you know, without <laughs> Junior, come on. Exactly. You know. And honestly, like, there's so many intricacies that go into being a brakeman. Like, firstly you have to know exactly where you are in the corners without looking. Um, they do have to know when to pull the brakes. And that's really hard if you have no idea where you are. And not only that, but my best piece of feedback comes from my brakeman. You know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was an epic run. And then my teammate's like, what the hell, man? You hit every wall. And I'm like, what? No, I didn't. <laughs> and so they can, they can provide feedback that maybe I might not have realized or maybe, you know, the back skidded out and we tapped on the right, but I don't, I don't feel that from the front. So they can say, Hey, I think we were like, you know, uh, we're a bit sideways through this corner. Um, and maybe that's where we lost some time. And you're like, Oh, that's really good feedback. I, I had no idea. So I think there's, it's such a, an undervalued position for everything they do. 
And in terms of that switching then from from brakeman to driver, I can imagine then that what you're saying about that feedback, how important that is, that would help you as a driver because, you know, I think as Hannah mentioned, that there's, what, 17 tracks in the world. So I'm sure you know these tracks yeah. pretty well. So therefore, your time as a brakeman, you've gotten to learn them on that aspect and now you can transfer that into your skills as a driver. Yeah, absolutely. And first and foremost, I love Hannah. She's an absolute legend. She's a very good friend and mentor of mine. So trust everything she says. Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And and it was that essentially that like that feel that I developed in the back of the brakeman that then just meant when I was controlling the sled, it it just it made sense to me. I can't even explain it. It's just like an extension of me. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm just thinking actually, you know, the, the question about, you know, are you just ballast basically? But I, I can't imagine the four man, that the second and third middle man, I mean, what the hell do they do? They are literally along for a ride, right? Like, you know, get a good push start and just get a free ride down the bottom. Happen to win a medal. Sweet. What did you do? You push at the start. I'm not trying to bag out your sport at all, Ash, but I mean, you know, I, I just I just don't know. What do those two people do in that bobsled? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I think the, my favorite story, um, actually is one time when I, when I was brakeman and I think it's really funny because there's a moment if, if you haven't come off a corner quite right and like, you're maybe teetering on the edge of tipping or like, if you're about to crash, there's a moment where everything's really quiet. And as a brakeman, you know, right. Cause uh, being in a bobsled is so loud. It just sounds like you're in a washing machine or a dryer. <laughs> And then if there's quiet, you're like, oh, this is nice. You're like, oh, like, oh no, we're going down. And so I remember there was like one moment where I was like, feeling a little bit quiet here. And I just like knocked my shoulder on the other side of the sled. And it just was enough of the weight distribution to like set us right. Wow. And so I can only imagine them in a four man, if they're all coordinated enough with their movements, yeah. that it should be enough to keep them. I don't know. I don't so know I'm, just, I'm just picturing then to practice that. Did you and Bree just kind of get in the bathtub and kind of do what they do in pool running? So like practice kind of, you know, just. I mean, look, the movie is a documentary, right? Yeah, like... of course. I, be- I mean, I believe that. Can you see movie posters behind me? Clearly my whole life is yeah. movies. I just, it's movies and Olympics. And I swear <laughs> Olympic movies are true. You know, I mean, I watch the you Mighty know... Ducks. That's how I learn hockey, right? I mean, the knuckle 100%. pucks are a real thing in NHL. Chill, yeah. all the time yep yeah and one day we accidentally watched eddie the eagle and all of a sudden we rocked up like in speed suit and we're like wait a second i think we i think we messed this up oh no <laughs> yes and hugh jackman was just there of course i can imagine just uh i mean know. daily that yeah. is my dream just for him to yeah. rock up at a bobsled track and tell me how to drive a bobsled i'd be like look dude I see nothing wrong with this. <laughs> Hugh Jackman and Daniel Ricciardo are big listeners to our show, Ash. So, I mean, you know. Oh, you, fantastic. Just massive listeners. I mean, gosh, oh they God, can't stop. I'm just stop hitting the market here. Talking. You really are. Wow. It's, it's, it's like we've, we've organized this. I don't want to dwell too much on 2018 because we obviously talked to Brie about it. And I know it's something you've, you've talked a, a lot about. But, I mean, once all that happened and you kind of, you know, got over that initial disappointment and that, was there that kind of real sense that okay 2022 this is going to happen you know you sort of you'd set yourself a long goal to get to the olympics but i mean were there moments where it was just like fuck this i'm gonna do this i'm pushing towards this and put it behind you and just focus on that goal to become an actual olympian where you walk out in the stadium and can compete for your country rather than get it taken away from you on the on the last minute Yeah, I think it's it's honestly been a really love-hate relationship that I have with 2018. I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I think, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what would have happened if we if we had gone. Um, but I've learned so much from everything that's happened since that I wouldn't be the person that I am now and I wouldn't be the athlete that I am now. And, and I love the athlete I am now. So 
I think, but it's been a long time to kind of get to that peacefulness from, from what happened. I think for two years, I let, I was kind of leading my bobsled life. Like, no, I have to do this just to show everyone that we deserve to be there. And, and I think it made it really difficult because I was basing essentially my validation on how I was going on results to kind of prove that I deserve that rather than on becoming the best athlete that I could be. And sort of as soon as I let go of that pressure for myself to like, okay, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to aim for gold. You need to, you know, rock up to the track and understand the, the temperature and how the temperature affects the ice. You need to rock up to the track and know exactly how you're going to drive. You need to know what your focus is for the day. You need to be lifting the most that you can, pushing the fastest you can, running the fastest you can, interacting the best with your teammates and being the best leader that you can be. And then the results will come from that. And it's been a very, very long journey to there. Um, and then all of a sudden I woke up this year and I was like, holy shit, it's a year away. And <laughs> I'm not done learning yet. So I think, <laughs> I think it's been, it's been a hundred percent for the first two years of this quad. It was, it was all focusing on 2022. And then as soon as I sort of let, let that focus, I mean, let me be a hundred percent clear that that focus has never changed. It's always been the goal. Uh, when I focus on my development as an athlete and then respected that the goal would come as a result of that, my entire my entire personality almost changed my, my training ethic, everything, the way I handle disappointment and hurdles and successes as well. All of that changed as a result. And I can imagine too, that given, I mean, it was a very quick turnaround. It sounds from basically when you go to a bobsled trial to basically becoming an Olympian. So in the space of a very short period of time, obviously with an additional four years, you can hone that a little bit more. And obviously you've switched from brake woman to driver. We've got monobob happening as well. Something which you were saying about how you were training. And obviously we talked a lot to Brie about that as well. So kind of it's, it's almost like the disappointment happens, but in a way it's almost like, well, okay, it didn't happen, but I've got this extra opportunity to become a, a better person psychologically, physically. And you've also got a new event, which uh, potentially makes it, uh, you know, more interesting if that's something that you, I don't know if you're, are you a monobob specialist or a two woman specialist, whether you prefer one of the, over the other. Yeah, it's, I think, um, I don't know. I, I like to think that at the time I was doing the best I can, but when I look back on it, if I'm completely honest with myself and now apparently uh, Hugh Jackman and Daniel Ricciardo as well. Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I I handled it. I don't think I dealt with it very well. Um, but I think now I'm in the best possible place I could be. And yeah, it is a quick turnaround to think that you could join the sport in 2016 and then be an Olympian in 2018. And like you know, I think at the time I was like, well, obviously this is reality <laughs> and <laughs> and now i look back and i'm like oh come on you silly bugger like <laughs> let's be real people train their entire lives and and i think now it's what it has changed is my hunger i don't just want to go to the olympics i want to win a medal at the olympics and that mindset shift has come from missing out because i was like why was i setting such a low bar for myself like i need to be aiming higher and pushing myself and expecting more from myself because then I will achieve more. I love hearing these sort of stories about, yeah, within two years become an Olympian. So I'm just looking ahead to Paris 2024. I don't know. Oh, I mean, man, you're almost there. It's like three yeah. years, right? Sp sport climbing. Yeah. I mean, I could I could climb a wall. Break dancing? Yeah, exactly. Break dancing is a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I could really work on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, surfing, sure, I can surf the internet. Sure, I can surf a wave. I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's not well, that You never different. know till you try. Exactly, exactly. So... so. 
yeah, uh, fingers crossed. We could work out a training program for you. Like I'm here, for, I'm here for you for help. Thank you, me. thank you. Other than that, or I'll just become the, the second middleman in a, the Australian men's bobsled team again. They don't do anything, right? So. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what we should do? Sorry, I just thought of this. We should petition for the next competitive sport in the Olympics to be competitive eating. Oh yes, God, I mean, really yes. open it up for everybody and anybody. S- seriously, if like no disrespect to our break dancers listening, but if break dancing become an <laughs> Olympic sport, competitive eating can become an Olympic sport. I mean, come on, I just my friends at high school used to break dance while I was eating, watching them. I mean, it's not fair that they get a chance and I don't. So come on, I, I completely equal opportunity for all, right? Exactly right. <laughs> we live in an age of equality, so everybody deserves a chance. You know, quotas, all this kind of stuff. Come on. Like, give us a chance, people. Like, just yep. that's where I. We'll good, start good. that petition now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hugh Jackman and Daniel Ricciardo get on board. Tweet it get out. Get on board after with this. Yeah. Listen to this interview, basically. <laughs> but make sure, make sure you you tweet me first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we go for that. Yes. Okay. That that works. All right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Hugh, Hugh, if you know uh, Natalie Portman, I know you're Wolverine, and she's like uh, uh, <laughs> Thor's. I don't know what's her new title in the Mrs. Thor. I don't know what she is in the... Whatever. If you know Natalie Portman, you can tweet me. Um, <laughs> I was going somewhere with that, uh, <laughs> apparently. Um, so what what's the process then in terms of qualification for, for Beijing? Uh, sort of, you know, where we are right now. Uh, I'm guessing you've got a bit of time off right now. Uh, you know, getting <laughs> summer in the Northern Hemisphere. I, I, I mean, sort of, if you're not having time off, sorry for offending. Uh, but what, what's that, what is the process now? Like, how do you qualify for Beijing? Oh, time off. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Sorry. The, yes. yeah, Future get, Olympians. We oh, with time off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we get one week between season and back to off-season training. I think, um, you know, now this, this period between being on ice <laughs> is when we make the most physical gain. So actually we have the most training now. <laughs> and wow. then once we get on season, it's like, it's managing that and maintaining that. And then also adding in sliding to your training. So at the moment, like my gym is getting an absolute workout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, my team and I, we will be heading away in early August um, just to get, to get any kind of on ice training that we can. Um, and then our racing season begins in November and we'll be racing up until kind of mid-January. I think the cutoff for points is the 16th of Jan. And um, and then we kind of wait to see what happens with uh, our points. And then it will be all based on points, basically. So we, we are, um, yeah, our points are based on the mono and two woman combined. And yeah, based on world rankings, then we find out if we'll be going to the Olympics in February. It's a quick wow. turnaround there as well. That close. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's like a two week, three week turnaround. That's that's fascinating because I can I can imagine that you know, that, that must be hard. That must be really hard to kind of have that. Uh, you know, obviously based on your performance in that and obviously if you you know you're doing well, then you kind of, I guess, would know. But, I mean, I can't imagine that that's a fun little process if you're kind of on the cusp there of the points and that and you've got, like, two races to go and you're three weeks from the Olympics. I mean, gosh, that, that must be that must be very interesting. Yeah, especially if you look back at 2018 and we had that, that kind of turnaround and we were fighting the decision up until the very last day that we could and we didn't know if we should go home and, you know, we were told to kind of stay in Europe because if – we won, we could be on a plane to Pyeongchang, but if we were coming home to Australia and we were in air in transit and they couldn't contact us, then it would be too late. So you're kind of like waiting around and then, you know, 
now with COVID, we have that two-week quarantine. So if you're stuck back in Australia by yourself in quarantine, like it, it's um, it's a really tricky process, really quite nerve-wracking um, when that time does come, absolutely. So how many athletes then qualify and, and sort of how many are you competing? So like do you, do you have to hit the top 20? Do you have to hit the top like 30? I mean, kind of what is that goal where you know that if, say, you're 12th out of 30 with three to go, you've got a pretty good chance? Yeah, so uh, we, for women, will send 20 sleds um, for both disciplines. And um, we're still figuring out, like, how it works with the combined ranking system. But basically, essentially, like, three nations will send two sleds. And then you kind of work backwards from there. A couple nations will send two sleds. And then everyone else will send one sled. And then based on the quota allocation, that's how you'll know. So essentially we could qualify two women's sleds and that's our goal. Um, we need to beat the next couple of nations that have two sleds. And I think that's, that's sort of where our focus is at at the moment. So it's not uh, regional based. I know Hannah sort of talked with Luge and it was kind of a bit regional basis. So like, you know, Germany's got like 300 Luge competitors and they can only send like two or three, whereas Australia, you're pretty good, got a good chance if you're the only one. So it's kind of, it's not quite that way. Yeah, so, I mean, like, Germany could only send, ma- send maximum three sleds. Um, any nation, the max that they can send will be three sleds. So kind of once those get taken out of the equation, then everyone else moves up the list and essentially you cleanse the list until you've got your athletes that are ready for the games. So is your focus the the two-man? Is it, I'm sorry, is it politically correct to say two-man when it's women or do I say two women? Like, how does that work? <laughs> so it's technically called women's, like women's okay. bobsleigh, and then right. we have mono. Because of course, there's no four. Yeah, okay, got it. So yeah. it's women. So so is okay. Is your focus the the two or the or the mono? My focus is both this year. I'm going to need both to to be competitive um, because our our points are combined. So the idea, if you do well in both, then you're maximizing your points and your opportunity. And who tell us about your break woman? Uh, I mean, uh, give her a plug and kind of you know how how she you know do you guys sort of train at the same time? Do you kind of uh, you know how does that that work to make sure that you are I guess uh, com- camaraderie with each other is going well in the lead up to the season? Yeah, so we're still revising our team at the moment. Um, we are going to be heading away soon, and we'll be kind of testing equipment, testing athletes throughout the whole season. Um, for me. I mean, I, I did bring in an amazing athlete in Tia Claire Toomey last year, um, who is, you know, CrossFit legend and and um, Com Games and Olympic weightlifting as well. And she's been a phenomenal addition to the team and phenomenal resource, her and Shane, her husband, for me as well. Um, just for seeing how everything works at a high level. And, and I, I credit them a lot to um, my mentality and, and I have to credit my coach back here as well with a huge part of that as well. But in terms of my team, so I've got, yeah, we're going into our team selection at the moment. So I don't know if I can give any more away, but, uh, <laughs> but I will say that that my athletes are just spectacular. And, and I think the thing that we look for is obviously the power and the speed um, in the lifting and in sprinting and in the pushing, but also your team camaraderie is huge in the sport. We travel for so long together um, and you're living, they are your family and, you know, this is the family you get to choose. <laughs> so you better make it, you better make them a good one. But even, even in so further to that, you know, if I'm standing at the top of a track, I 
can sense how my brakeman is feeling. And so it's also got to be people that you not only kind of get along with and respect, but also that help you have the confidence to be a good driver and that I can give the confidence for them to be um, an absolute beast as well. And is there much like pump up going on between the two of you? Because I can imagine that it is, you know, as you're saying, you can feel how they're feeling. So, I mean, do you, do you have like rituals? Do you pump up some tunes? Do you put on the beats by Dre and kind of do it in your own head? Like, I mean, how, how is that pump up mentality when you're at the top of the course and you're psyched, you're ready to go, the adrenaline's pumping? It's electric. I love it. It's, it's awesome. It's been very different from when I was a brakeman to being a driver um, because there's the added aspect of having to having to focus on the actual drive ahead of me. Um, I'm a bit of a weird driver. Like I think uh, I said that and then I thought about it for a second. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a weird driver because to me, every track has its own rhythm. And so what I do is I match the rhythm of the track to a song in my playlist. And so I'll be like, we'll do our warm up, we'll chat, we'll laugh, we'll have fun. And then 10 minutes before it's my turn to slide, whether it's in a race or if it's in training, I'll put that song, uh, the track song on. And I just do my visualization, my mind runs um, for 10 minutes straight. And then we have like our little ritual with some handshakes and some, you know, positive affirmations. And then we, they, my breakman will go down and then I'll come down a little bit after. And the whole time I'm just focusing on the rhythm of the track. And then we get to the start block. We have a little ritual there as well with our handshake. (laughs) And then then we get ready to go. And then the whole way down, I'm kind of just like almost singing that song and feeling that (laughs) rhythm to myself. Um, And it, it, it honestly, it just, it just, it, it helps. It just works. Which, I mean, again, similarities to Daniel Ricciardo. He, he's one on the grid. He puts his tunes on and kind of pumps himself up. So, again, it's connection there. I mean, do you <laughs> can you can you share with us any of the, the tracks? Like, you know, you mentioned Whistler before or sort of like Placid. Like, what are the certain songs for each of the certain tracks? All right, let's see. I'm grabbing my phone here. Oh, here we go. I've, she's, I've got she's a playlist. And so, any Germans, Canadians, anyone listening, just tune out now. You don't need to hear Yeah, this. you guys can just turn it off. Uh, yeah. uh, Daniel Ricardo, if you have any suggestions, please yeah. let me know. Um, you can Instagram me, WhatsApp, like it's fine. We'll set this up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, so for Lake Placid, which is where I learned to drive. Actually, this whole ritual started in Lake Placid because <laughs> Lake Placid is one of the hardest tracks in the world. And here I was like learning to drive. And I was <laughs> like, okay, let's try not to die. And so I would listen to a song because when I was singing the song, I wasn't nervous. <laughs> right. Yes. And then it kind of just like worked a little bit. And then I went to another track and I was like, oh, damn, this is a really good theory. And then it kind of <laughs> just stuck. So for Lake, pra- Lake Placid, my song is Body by Loud Luxury and Brando. Okay. Do I need to play it or are we, are we visualizing this? We no, look, you can it. play it if you want to. Why not? Let's, uh, you know, I wonder, help our listeners I out here. Gonna... Can you hear that? I can. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, so this is my Lake Placid song. Yeah, right, I start singing. Oh, yep. I'm trying not to right now. No. <laughs> like, Groove into it. It's one of those songs. Um, it's kind of like you say it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that. You hear it. You're like, oh yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. couldn't, you couldn't stop hearing it back yeah. in like 2019. It was everywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah. So that's my song for like classic because it's like upbeat and it's like a little bit chippy choppy and that's kind of what that's I, that's not a word I made it up but uh, that's kind of like <laughs> what Lake Placid is to me. Um, and so it's funny because if I'm in the gym here or if I'm just around or I'm clubbing because, you know, 
we go clubbing so often in COVID. Um, <laughs> that was sarcasm in case anyone didn't. Um, she's yeah, a, she's if, a cause of the Sydney, the, the outbreak yeah. right now. We've discovered oh it. Oh my yep. gosh. I don't think I've been to a club. So, yeah, okay, anyway, um, <laughs> if I hear one of these songs, I automatically start doing my visualization, my mind run. And it's really awkward in some times. Like I'm about to go for a really heavy lift or something. And then this song comes in and I'm like, in corner one. I just want to see you on the dance two. floor now because it's kind of like, you know, I thought I had bad dancers, but you've got these cool like sort of mixture between bad and weird and just slightly interesting. Like, Oh, know? man, it goes off. It goes off. My mind runs go off. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so that's kind of like what I love and it's really hard. Sometimes like I'll go to a new track and I'll just get the rhythm straight away and it all makes sense and I can pick the song straight away. And then other times I have to work a little bit harder. So it's a process. Have you have you tested or gone down the, the track at Beijing yet? Or, you know, at least if you haven't kind of seen what they're trying to do with it and maybe have you thought, thought about some songs that you could maybe use for the Olympics? So I haven't, I haven't stepped foot on it yet, but I have watched um, a lot of the video footage. It seems like an epic track. I I cannot wait to hopefully drive it. It, it honestly looks like my jam. Um <laughs> But it's, it's hard to like see it and then feel it. They're two different things. So I can hypothesize, but then I also don't want to hypothesize with the wrong song. Right. Because then that'll mess you up to try and change it. Okay. Well, you got to let us know as soon as you do, because uh, I guarantee you during those Olympics, we will play it once you win the gold. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I will, we'll, 100%. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll just, we'll, we'll put it out there. Uh, just on sort of a track, like, is there a certain style of track now as a driver that, that you prefer like i mean a, a faster track a more technical track kind of you know what what is sort of your preference in your driving style um i like complicated inside bobsled and outside bobsled apparently but i love complicated <laughs> tracks <laughs> i um oh my mom's going oh Ashley, mom. <laughs> um, you're on the right show for that Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> thank gosh yeah. um no but but I, I love, like, I love driving. I love busy tracks. So for me, if there's a lot to do, sometimes I know that that can make some drivers really nervous, but I'm like, heck yeah. And the more there is to do, the more I'm all about going for that track. So um, driving's definitely been my strong point. And so any track where I get to really highlight that, that skill of mine, I, I love. You're talking about the, the team selection and everything that's coming up. How, how many uh, women actually go into that selection process? So, I mean, you know, like are you sending like a team of 20 and then you'll choose a certain amount from that or kind of like how many are going to be chosen from? So my team, we've got myself and three brakemen going over um, and we'll be selecting two for our racing season. And then from that, you've got the pool of my team and Bree's team as well. And so, you know, if and when uh we qualify two sleds then we'll only take three brakemen out of that pool of four right and australia if i'm not mistaken has never qualified two sleds at the one olympics in female is that correct oh yeah for women yeah they qualified two for men i think in whistler in 2010 um but not for women as far as i'm aware and then if you call them, sorry, when you qualify to, uh, I mean, does it then get designated that whoever is a high ranked team is say Australia one and then who has a lower team, is that how it simply works or is it based on rankings or is it just you flip a coin and go, I'm number one, you're number two? We're actually not quite sure at the moment. We're waiting uh, for our selection criteria to come out as well. So I will keep you updated on that one. I know. 
Good. All right. I'm glad that you will. Uh, another thing, I, I'm, I know you listened to my chat with Bree and I, I sort of gave her this little uh, notion. First of all, uh, I'll ask you, do you name your sleds? Is this something that you do uh, when you compete? Yes, I do. Okay. I definitely do. And what's the criteria here, Ash? I'm just trying to get in here because, again, as I said to Bree, I, I, would, I mean, a sled called Ben because, again, crosses the line, winning a medal. I'm never going to win a medal myself probably until the competitive eating. So, I mean, you know, you're winning a gold. You can gladly say, well, you know, Ben got me there and I will gladly take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, typically in our team, so one of my first brakemen, my first brakeman when I moved to a driver, she was a sailor. And um, she always told me that vessels are women. So um, we might be able to make an exception. Like we, we can definitely talk through this, but typically, <laughs> at least in, in my team, we've, we've always kind of stuck with, um, with women's names. We've had Benita? female sleds. I don't know. Yeah. Ben- yeah. Okay. Benjamina. I'm feeling, I'm feeling um, the Latin vibe. I like it. Yeah. yeah okay. Something along we those can, lines. Yeah. We'll, we'll look into it. Um, we've, <laughs> we've typically, we've typically, uh, we've gone, we had, um, we had a Sharon. First, oh, yep. so we could with a Shazza, Shaz dog. Shazza, yep. That was that was my first my first sled. She was decked out in Australian colours, so it made sense. Yep. Um, and we've kind of just been tabling some names, and and we're about to kind of get a new sled for this season. So right. um, we'll definitely have to look into this naming rights situation. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, it could be like you know, like a stadium, like Marvel Stadium. You could sell it to a sponsor, maybe you know, like have Marvel Sled or something. You know, uh, not a bad Mac idea. Macca's Sled. Um, <laughs> The reject shop sled. I mean, maybe not the reject shop. It's probably a bad idea, but you never know. Like they could. They, I think they're going out of business, aren't they? So they might need some, you know, influx out there. But uh, no, ben, ben is a. It can be feminine. I mean, I don't know. I'm somewhat feminine. It's 2021. My, my boyfriend's name is Ben as well, so it, I could go. like hit two birds with one hey, stone. You know, like I'm that, just. You tell him it's yeah. about him. Just be like, I love yeah. you so much. I'm gonna name my sled after you. But Sick's like, no, it's that guy that I did that interview with because, like, you know, I feel sorry I for him. Never know. He'll, He'll never, never know, know until he listens to this podcast. He's like, baby, lied to me. I'm like, oh, no, no, I would never. No, it's 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 a dual purpose name. It's very open ended. It can it can do that. Uh, I also love hearing. Uh, I know we talked a bit to Bree about about the training aspect of of the sport. I mean. You know, when it comes to your training regime, do you have something specific that, you know, you've got a routine at the moment that you work on? Does that kind of amp up towards a major competition season or does it really depend on how you're feeling on any given day? Yeah, no, I have a mastermind behind that, that he does not tell me what I'm going to do because he just wants it all to be a fantastic, phenomenal surprise when I get into the gym every morning. Um, <laughs> but I I work with um, a coach here, his name's Jolt, and he was a Hungarian bobsledder back in the day. So it's, it's amazing working with someone that, that knows the sport inside and out, because I think people, when people look at bobsledders, they don't really know the intricacies that that are involved and everyone wants to make you fast, but as a bobsledder, you don't necessarily need to be fast. You need to be powerful. And they're two different training types. And um, yeah, he, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but he's been such a huge catalyst for me uh, with my training mentally, physically, I, I cannot thank him enough for the athlete that he's made me, but he is an absolute demon in the gym. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I rock up, I look at my program and I'm like, no, no, but seriously, like this is a joke. Brad. He's like, you better start now if you want to finish in three hours. And then by the end of it, I'm crying and like on the floor in the fetal position. And he's like, good session, like high fives me. And I'm like crying, like a shell of a human, but um, I love it. Like I, I love, I love my off season training. It's, 
I've never felt so powerful, so strong and so fast in my life. And, and I have a lot to credit to him. And then I also have another coach, his name is Duncan and he was, he's Australia's fastest brakeman. He um, was a brakeman in 2010 and 2014 and he built a push sled. And so I rock up um, kind of once a week, twice a week with him. And we do a lot of pushing. We have a sled on wheels um, that we just practice the kind of hit motion and the movements around there. And, and um, I, I, yeah, I can't thank him enough either. And I'm just, I'm very blessed with the coaches uh, and the support that I have in my life. hundred percent. The training is amazing. In terms of diet, is that something too that needs to be managed as well? Or again, it just depends on how you're feeling each day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I tell you, body weight and women's sport is is a, a conversation. We Because the women's weight for bobsled is, is quite low. Um, we have a weight limit for crew plus sled, which is 330 kilos, which sounds like a lot, but our, our sled weighs 170. So you can essentially wow. have two 80, 80 kilo women. Um, but that's not a lot of muscle for tall girls. So I think for the first like four years of my bobsled career, I was constantly trying to lose weight. And then I went vegan for a little bit and lost a lot of weight. And now I'm trying to put on weight. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I enjoy my baking. I love cooking and I've been baking a storm up in, uh, in lockdown at the moment. So I think <laughs> I've got like two of the kilos back on that I lost, but we're, we're trying to work there slowly. Which I mean, this is I love finding this out from athletes because you and I were talking a little bit out, a little bit off air about kind of diets and yeah, I remember I mentioned to you about how we had Andy Jung on just before Pyeongchang and he mentioned his love of McDonald's, so it's kind of you know makes people like me feel a little bit okay that if I partake <laughs> in a Big Mac, well, Olympians do it, it's okay. So balance, man, balance yeah. is everything. I'm telling yeah. you that. Yeah, as mm-hmm. I said, base my life on movies and Olympians. That's what I'm controlled by. <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, what better two things to base your life off? Exactly. I mean, if I do say so myself, I made it. And Daniel Ricardo and Formula One. You know, it's 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 all it's all life goals essentially from from then. Ticking on. them, ticking them off. <laughs> uh, now we like to close off our interviews, uh, Ash. We have a bit of a fun little uh, question and answer thing here. I believe we did this with Briggs. I remember having a conversation with her about her love of the Essendon Bombers and did hold that yeah. against her. Uh, are, are you? Yes, just, that's did, fair. Are you an Essendon supporter or a different different code of football that you follow given you come from a rugby oh, background? Rugby league. I'm a rugby league fan. So, big, so who's, big, your, who's your team then in the rugby league? One and only Rabbitohs. That's not too bad. All right. I'm a Sharks guy, so, you know. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all perfect. Look, you no. <laughs> <laughs> I lost you. Yeah, well, Hugh Jackman and uh, Daniel Ricciardo yeah. just... Stop listening, I think. Uh, but so these yeah. are based off um, the Team Canada. They, they do this questionnaire ahead of the games. And again, at the time of recording this, this is pre-Tokyo. So hopefully by the time people are listening to this, uh, they've had a good old time listening to us read these ones during the Tokyo games from the Tokyo athletes. I found a bobsledder. Uh, Alicia Risling is her name, yes. Canadian. Uh, are you, are yes. you, do you know Alicia? Are you friends with her? Does you know, you hung out with her at all or...? I haven't had a lot to do with her, but uh, I, I do know her. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Right. Well, you might know some of her answers. You're not guessing her answers. You're coming up with your own answers. But, uh, oh, perfect. I guess bonus points if you want to guess her answers. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, your favourite ever Olympic moment? Oh, there's so many to choose from. Um, I mean, I want to say Kathy Freeman, but I feel like everyone says Kathy Freeman. But... 
uh, I got to stick with it. There's a reason gotta, behind it. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. I, yeah, I think that is, that's got to be like one of the greatest of all time. But um, yeah. My goal on this show, given our love of the legendary Dale Begg Smith, is that somebody is going to flat out go Dale Begg Smith winning gold in Turin in 2006. I just, I just want, I don't, I yeah, think even Britt Cox when she was on this show didn't even answer that. And she's a mogul. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, come like, on, Britt. Damn. <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, you know what's so weird? My brain instantly was like winter first and then it got confused with summer. And then I was not confused, but I was like, oh my God, there's so many Olympics. Backtrack, Bradbury. Come on, Bradbury. Yeah, we all know I, where no, we no, were no, for Bradbury. <laughs> oh, actually, fun fact. There was a, so I trained uh, at the Institute of Sport and, um, as a joke, like whenever any other athlete complains about their training, I always say, well, you know, like you're interested in bobsled because it's notorious. Everyone thinks that the training that we do looks absolutely horrific and it is. Um, and so it's like a common joke now to me at least. But anyway, so this one girl, um, she was a water polo athlete and I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to come to bobsled? Cause she was like, Oh my God, the chlorine. And, um, and she goes, Oh, you know, actually winter sport runs in my family. And I was like, no way. How? And she's like, Oh, my uncle is Stephen Bradbury. Wow. And I was like, what are you doing a water polo? That is wasted family, like, history. Come on. Wow. Gee, like, how do you not just drop that into every conversation? Like, hi, That's how you going? I said. Uncle Stephen Bradbury. Come on. like Right? Right? Like, I was like, man, I've been training in the same gym on the same day at the same time as you for, like, two months now. And that the first time. You know I'm a winter athlete. That's the first time. Yeah. You drop that shit. Come on, dude. Be better. Be better. Like, I- do you want to know the geekiness that I have for, for anything Olympic? I went to Salt Lake City and I watched a Utah, Utah Jazz game. I was more excited to be in the same building that Stephen Bradbury won his gold medal in rather than watching the NBA. I was like, this is where Bradbury 100%. won gold. You're like taking photos with the ice and the yeah. players are like, you want us to get in? Like, You're like, back off. Yeah. Ice. My friend is literally like, we're here to watch the Jazz. I'm like, screw <laughs> the Jazz. Australian Olympic history happened in this building. Like, what is wrong with uh, you? Absolutely. Hand- Oh, actually, you know what, though? Have you seen the movie Miracle? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. Th- that's also a- an amazing Olympic moment. And I was just thinking of another one. There was, it's super random, really left field. In the Youth Olympics, is that still allowed as well? Of course, absolutely. It's still Olympics. Fantastic. I feel really bad. I had to ask that. Anyway, <laughs> at the Youth Olympics, um, there was a, a Colombian weightlifter. Right. And she won gold. And there's this amazing photo of her, like, crying um, after she just won because her grandmother, I think, had passed away like the week oh, before. Wow. And so she just won a gold medal and she had um, abuela, like, you know, um, yeah, grandmother written on her hand or on a part of her body. And she was just crying and she won a medal. And like, oh, like, I lost streams. my grandfather last year and he yeah. was so, so into my bobsled that like that just hit hit home for me. So that's also got to be an amazing Olympic moment. I, I like these ones. Like, you know, it's, it's all well mm. and good, the Kathy Freemans and all that sort of stuff, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what makes the Olympics so fantastic is, is you know, you mentioned, obviously, Eddie the Eagle. We've talked about the Jamaican bobsled team. You know, movies or not, these are obviously inspirational moments. Uh, mm. Sydney, we remember Eric the Eel, uh, you know, things like that, you know, kind of all these little moments. Oh, like yeah. That, that was, that was uh, a good one. Yeah. Bring back Roy and oh, HG too. Them. I just want to say, bring back Roy and HG so they can, uh, you know, point these moments out more too. So Roy and mm-hmm. HG, I'm sure you're listening. Uh, we're very similar shows. Uh, you know, get get on that plane to Beijing. You got you still got time to book your tickets. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
sly because then mm. I would save so much money going away for bobsled season. Yes. <laughs> but would you have to carry your bobsled though? Like, is that the catch 22? No, no, it's, it's already there, but I'd have to carry my suitcases. But like I could take breaks, like hop, hop countries, you know, I yeah. think. I'm, I'm sure, sure that's could, how it works. I'm sure if you could fly, there might be some dispense. Like I'm sure Superman doesn't get weighed down by a couple of suitcases if he's got to go and hold yeah. rolls, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be fast. fun. Like, exactly. I have a lot of friends overseas as well, and I'd really like to see them. I haven't seen them because of COVID in a while. So it'd be nice to just, and you know, then I don't have to fill out a travel exemption form either. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what mm. you're talking about. I've never heard of COVID. Don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> we sort of uh, touched on this a few times, so I, I don't know if you've got one that you want to choose from. What is your favorite sports movie? I feel like I would be doing the whole. I don't know if I'd be doing the whole Bob's like community disservice by not saying cool running. So that's in a league <laughs> of its own. So we're going to leave that one. Um, I I do love Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, considering that my, my bobsled home is Lake Placid, um, that, that has a special heart. I was training in that the hockey arena. That was where I was training for a long time. I also do love Eddie the Eagle because I know we've mentioned this a few times, but my first bobsled coach's dad was actually the inspiration for Hugh Jackman's character. Wow. So you do have a connection yeah. to Hugh Jackman. I, I technically, apparently Hugh Jackman contacted him once to like talk about the movie. There you um, go. You're in. And yeah, well, this is what Ash, I'm thinking now that I'm, I'm going to be I honest know. with you. I'll be honest and say that I have interviewed and had my photo taken with Daniel Ricardo. So I'm just saying right now, you're so connected with people, right? Oh my gosh, man. We got to do a swap <laughs> of our like phone book. I don't have Hugh Jackman in my phone book, but like in my mind, I'm like, look, you do Daniel Ricardo first and we'll sort around the rest sure. of it. I can make Done. this happen. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think it's such a, it's such a hard, I, I love Miracle. Miracle it just gets me every time. And I, I love Eddie the Eagle. And weirdly enough, like I did not plan for them to be two winter movies. <laughs> it just happened that way our one of our sister shows uh, is a movie podcast and we often do themed months and in the lead up to pyeongchang we did a winter olympic month so we covered cool runnings miracle uh eddie the eagle <gasps> and i Tonya. uh so oh, uh, yeah yeah it's kind of it, it all fit in very very well there. does that mean that you become a bit of a hockey fan do you do you follow the nhl yeah so who's, who's uh, your team there i don't follow it as much as i would like but um the Vancouver Canucks definitely Ooh. have a space in my heart. Actually, it's funny, a funny story. Bree and I went to um, a Canucks game in our first year together um, in the sport and our, our car got broken into in the, in the car park and they stole Standard Canucks luggage. fans. So, yeah. yeah. So we were like, okay, well, I mean, the game was good, but was it that good? I don't I don't know, but I do love, I love watching hockey. I, I um, lived in Victoria, so I was kind of uh, very exposed to the Canucks level of fans, which was always interesting. Yeah. So Next level, hey. Yeah. I cheat and go for two teams. I'm a Flames and a Ducks supporter. So, you know, like That's I had fair. to have a Canadian and American team. So it kind of, yeah. it, it balances. And Mighty Ducks, you have to go for the Ducks, right? You grow up on those movies. Of course. You know, of it's, course. It's, it's natural. Now, on this form they've got the section here where the athlete draws a picture of themselves. Now we always say, obviously don't, but I, I would love to give homework to somebody once. If you want to draw a picture of yourself, Ash, and send it to us, we will put it on our social media. So, I'm oh, she's going for it right now. Look at this. She's keen. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to write, I'm going to write this down as a note to myself. I'm going to have to do myself justice. With the Winnie the Pooh like, pen. 
Oh, this yeah, my my dad's nickname for me is 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 Pooh Bear because right. I used to oh. love Winnie the Pooh as a kid. Can't believe I just said that on air. Okay, um, no, sorry, right. I just embarrassed you first by you pulling it out straight away. <laughs> I wouldn't be a good yeah. my job if all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to observe the fact that yeah. she's using a Winnie the Pooh pen. Oh, uh, <laughs> totally didn't even notice. I forgot I was on video as well. <laughs> <laughs> just just wait till we start releasing the video interviews down the track when we get you on after Beijing. Um. <laughs> Your, while you're writing that, I'll ask you, what is your funniest childhood memory? I have many of me walking and crawling into door frames. I don't <laughs> navigate doors very well. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Um, it's never been a strong suit of mine, and my dad will frequently make comment of it to every person he meets. Right. Okay. So I can just see it. Channel 7 are interviewing your family after winning the gold. <laughs> You know, they, they love it. Channel 7 Go just moisten the nether regions for interviewing every person's, you know, family and friends. So your dad is automatically going to be like, oh, when my when my daughter did this, dang doors, doors, and she loves Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> my dad will say, I don't know how she made it into the sledge, can't even walk through a damn door frame. <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. And I remember when we were in, because um, my team and I, we went to uh, Pyeongchang in South Korea for the last season during COVID. Uh, that was really the only place that we could get to. And um, I was all ready to go. We're about to get ready for our race. And um, so I've got my helmet on. I've got like my peppermint oil going. I've, you know, got that look in my eye where you're really focused. And um, I'd done all my mind runs and I was about to walk outside because it was like minus 30 degrees. So I was just chilling inside. And I'm like, fuck yeah, got this. <laughs> Walked out, pushed the door. Someone had like, drilled a lock into the other side of the door so it goes boom and hits me straight back in the face and i was like ah wow and everyone saw it everyone laughed really revealing interviews these like i really like these like again like people watch channel seven and they're like oh we get to know so much about no you don't you don't learn this on channel seven you know like it's just you know (laughs) I, I i feel like we need to start giving words to our guests ahead of olympics so that they can drop like some secret word when being interviewed by channel seven to just try and like i don't know like I, I'll think of something. I'll have to do that because I think it would just be funny if I was in the middle of an interview, just like, yeah, no, we're really pumped, really excited. Don't want to feel like a Wally burger, but we're going to do well. We're yeah. going to we're gonna go out there. When I when I worked at the Commonwealth Games, we all had to like do like these radio messages and that sort of stuff. And each day in our meetings, we would come up with the word of the day. And they're like, I guarantee you, you can't use this word. And this is like official, you know, Commonwealth Games channels that have been heard by all different, you know, HQ somewhere on, on the Gold Coast. And you'd come up with the word. Today's word is dandelion. And you were just like, you'd work out so oh this this athlete yeah he's been a bit of a dandelion we need someone here quick you know so uh yeah uh there you go Wall- wally burger wally burger is wally your word burger. wally burger the winnie the Pooh pen again you know yep. what i really think that being australian has its perks because i feel like you could literally say any kind of noun and use it as an adjective and yep. people will be like oh, it's just australian slang exactly. you're like yeah like yep. they would be in such a snickerdoodle today and someone's like yeah. oh that makes sense and you're like what <laughs> okay it's the really good perk of being an exactly. Australian in winter sport. No one no one questions no one any of the it. weird shit you say. No one gets it. <laughs> also, also, if you can't call the sled Ben, Wallyberg is another good name, actually. Um, you're, you sort of answered this kind of because you, you mentioned how you've got different songs for different tracks. Uh, so your favourite pump-up song, is that is that just track dependent or do you have like a go-to track, say you're in the gym and that's kind of automatically like, boom, I'm, I'm there? Ooh, I have a playlist. I have a playlist for like when I'm warming up on tour and a playlist for when I like need some, actually I have a playlist called vibes with like 
that emoji that looks like a red, like, <laughs> yep. what's this word I'm looking for? The light thing. Yep, um, yep. Oh my gosh. And let me, let me try and find like, what's a good jam on that? I really Sorry, love the fact can... that this is just like actual props to an interview. Like this is just <laughs> yeah. not a simple case of just I'm going to answer it. I'm going to I'm going to get everything involved here. I got I got to I got to back up at whatever I say. <laughs> okay, actually, yeah. So so my jam at the moment is a song called Gravity by DJ Fresh and Ella Ayer. I think Ear? I might. Yeah, I think it sounds familiar. Do you want to do you want to give us a bit of a play? Like yeah, yeah. Why not? I'll they're get losing all the royalties on this show, but who cares? You know, we <laughs> rip off Sorry, enough stuff already. It's... Yep. Straight away. No, yep. That's good. Good comeback songs. Right? And I was going into the falsetto there and really nobody... I was going to say, keep going, you know? like (laughs) My singing days are behind me. (laughs) First person to sing on the show. Like, this is just... We're creating a bunch of firsts and off the podium today. Um, (laughs) What is the most recent TV show that you binge-watched? Oh, Oh, we got two. I got two because I binge-watched them in the same day. Cool. Um, (laughs) The first one is (laughs) Unorthodox. Um, I'm Jewish and I had been trying to explain a bit of Judaism to my boyfriend. And I was like, you know what, you got to watch this. And unorthodox for those that don't know, is this uh, crazy, amazing, true, or based on a true story of an ultra, ultra religious woman that I don't want to give anything away, but like she flees her community. And um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing show on Netflix. Unbelievable. Um, And we, we love that. It brought up so many interesting conversations about my Judaism and, and how I kind of like, yeah, how I practice my Judaism, which right. is a very important part of me. And then on the complete other side, um, we also watched this show called Love on the Spectrum, oh, which yeah. is also on Netflix. And it's about people with autism that find love and are looking for love. And it is just amazing. Like I was in tears. My boyfriend was in tears. We're both <laughs> just like holding each other, crying about how beautiful this show is and, and, um, educational yeah, that's, that's day also. learning <laughs> learning a lot about each other and, and learning a lot about all that so <laughs> oh, yeah. i can highly recommend both of them for whatever mood you're in choose it yeah and and just on that note uh ben's will cry at netflix that is a that is also yes. a, i can back that up from friends yep. um yeah uh, and, uh, <laughs> more homework for you actually this is another drawing thing it's not only is it draw a picture of yourself it's now draw a picture of your teammates i've actually not seen this one before so Ooh. Maybe we can draw a picture of Brie or that, you know, and we can, we can, you know, cross over our guests on this show. That would be interesting. I mean, look, I feel like I'm going to draw a general picture of like a bobsledder and, and for you, this is kind of going to be it. Oh, actually, wait, <laughs> like real big muscles there too. And then like, like the bum because bobsled <laughs> bum is a thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I will I will get a screenshot off the video off that to, to share on our social media or feel free to, you know, send it through. But uh just yeah, with some I, hair too. Yep. Yeah, okay. I like it. It's very like it's. You should become an artist. Um. It's uh. It's realistic. I'll continue working on it. <laughs> yes. There. There will be one more drama. I'll get to that. Uh. What is your least favorite food? Not your favorite. Your least favorite food. I um am. I really don't like durian. Um. Mm-hmm. Like the the fruit. The smell but I also, is it or it's smell it's the taste it's the texture i I, I literally cannot swallow it i've tried can't do it um and i'm also uh kind of like i have a sensitivity to red onion right so just red onion. i'm, I'm allergic to blue cheese yeah just red onion raw oh, red wow. onion and allergic to blue yeah. cheese 
Yeah. Wow. Not the worst it's thing weird. you could be allergic to, let's be honest. No, I mean, I'm not a fan of it either, to be honest. I feel like my body was like, you don't like it, so now you don't have to eat it. If you just said cheese, I would be very sad for you. But, I mean, blue oh, cheese. Oh, no, 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 God, know. God, no, please. That's that's like a main food group to my life. <laughs> yeah, that's all I eat, you know. So, I know. I, mean, <laughs> I know. I'm with um, you. If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Mm. Uh, so I actually work um, as a consultant. Well, I work in management consulting um, with a company called Accenture, which is a global, a global consulting firm. Um, and I think, oh, actually, because I was going to say, I'm, I'm really interested in going into culture and leadership consulting because my time with team sport has really um, shaped the way I look at like team function and what makes a good and high functioning team. But that's come from being an athlete. Mm. So I don't know, but maybe, I don't know why I was going to say a doctor, maybe because I've been watching a lot of doctor TV shows lately. <laughs> well, my, actually, I really wanted to be um, a forensic scientist or uh. a marine biologist. Yes, yes. But then absolutely. I have a fear of deep water, so marine biology is difficult. Yeah, that probably wouldn't help there with that. Might be a bit of a yeah. barrier. Yeah, I can imagine. Like no, if you no, we, we believe in like, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here in Sydney right now, freezing. Now, so. okay, I got, I got to pull you up on this, Ash. I'm in Hobart. What's freezing <laughs> to somebody in Sydney? Like, is it like 12 degrees, 13 degrees? <laughs> Look, today, today it, it got out of the sun. Like tonight, like when we started this this chat, I was shaking. I was so cold. <laughs> it was probably like well, like maybe like six to eight degrees, which is so embarrassing because okay. on tour that's like summer. Well, it's not too bad. Like that, that for Sydney, like you know, that's that's cold. I think it's about three degrees here at the moment. But uh, oh, you know. damn! But yeah. Sydney's I, just I, like a damp cold. Yeah. Oh, I lived it's in Brisbane really for a winter yeah. and they complain when it got below 20. Oh, it's so cold. I better get the jacket out. It's like, just. Yeah, we don't count down. that though. No, they're, they're strange no. people, those Queenslanders. Um, your. <laughs> Hello to all our Queenslanders, I think. Uh, your favourite vacation <laughs> spot. Uh, where is that? I have not been on a holiday in so long. <laughs> um, I, I mean, my I, I uh, a long, long time ago. Um, before I traveled for sports and when I actually was able to take time off and go traveling. I love Fiji. Mm -hmm. I really love Fiji, but I'm also not a huge believer in going back somewhere that I've been to. So I think, I think actually, you know what? Fiji was amazing. Cause it's like that resort summer sun thing. Um, I love Ireland, love, love Ireland. And I love Hungary as well. I'm, I'm part Hungarian. So I, I really like just felt the jam there. I love Budapest. Um, and I've re I really, really more than anything want to go back to Central. Well, I want to go to Central America and I want to go back to South America because I did exchange in Chile for six right. months and loved it. Actually, that would also be an amazing holiday destination. Also, you know, Israel, sorry, anyone taking note, Israel, Chile, you know, Hungary, Ireland, amazing yeah. places. Flight um, Center, official sponsor, my, hook yeah, up Ash. <laughs> they should be 100%. My number one to go to is Mexico. Right. So I really okay. want to go. There you go. All yeah. right. Well, again, COVID ends, uh, you know, gold medal winning uh, Olympian, lots of <laughs> endorsement deals, you know, go on a global tour. Send Introduce, me Mexico. <laughs> intro, I mean, I, I'm sure Mexico have a bobsled team, but I mean, if they don't, you can go there and be their coach maybe. Ooh, so why not? Yeah. Think I mean, big. It's, Think big. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, what do people usually describe you as? loud uh, <laughs> uh enthusiastic which i yep. think is sometimes a synonym for loud um <laughs> but also excited 
All good. All good. That works out very, very I like well to there. Think so. <laughs> That's good. Um, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? Ooh. Um, I mean, rugby sevens, I feel, would be an obvious choice. But I feel like hockey would be epic. Is that ice, ice or field? Hockey. Ice, ice, okay. ice hockey right. would be super, super cool. Um, yeah, I wish I could try moguls, but I oh. also know I'd probably hurt everybody around. <laughs> Those knees, my goodness, you must have oh. some strong knees in that sport. Like just, it's terrifying to watch. I, you know, I think my my favorite. I, we were talking about this before um, before we were on air, but another thing that I love between summer and and winter athletes, and and I thought of this because I was talking to a moguls skier, <laughs> is when when summer athletes are like you know track and field athletes. Are injured it's like I, I pulled a hamstring and you're like oh man I'm so sorry that sucks and you talk to winter athletes and it's like oh, I'm coming I broke my back and had two concussions last year but like I'm coming back strong and you're like you're a different breed of people so <laughs> it's like those memes that they they show like um you know like a, an NRL player like their, their nose is hanging off their face they're bleeding and everything then you've got a soccer player there just like got like a scratch on their knee or yeah. something like that you know it's just it's it's like those ones at all there there, there are some sports which I would love <laughs> to just study the heat like at what point did somebody go there's a bunch of lumps on that snow hill i bet you i could ski in the middle of those really fast and do a jump and then sure you invent it but then what sort of person goes i'm gonna grow up and be a mogul skier like i mean there are just some sports you've got to wonder you know yeah many of them many many of them and hats off to all of those athletes who do that because my goodness you know like just i'm gonna ski down a bunch of lumps down a hill that's fun uh, <laughs> but hey we've won medals in it so i shouldn't complain uh, um, uh your favorite song lyrics what are your favorite song lyrics oh my gosh um oh my so my coach my my amazing demon coach um he has a playlist that he plays uh in the gym because his name is jolt the playlist is called zed force of course um and there's this amazing <laughs> song and it talks about like I'm trying to um oh we're gonna have to play oh sorry go sorry. for it absolutely I expected nothing less yeah you can feel like you're never gonna make it you're not good enough there's a million other people with the same stuff yeah so it's like Very you'll never make up. it you're not good enough there's yeah. A, yeah a million other people with the same stuff and um I love that because he'll play it anytime he'll play that specific song if I if I say like if he says, you know, put more weight on there, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And then he'll go and play that song. And it's like, <laughs> remember everyone that's told you you're never going to be good enough. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, fuck that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then I'll just go and, like, put more weight on and lift it. So that's, what, like, a really good song. It's great, those songs, because it's, it's kind of like, I mean, the cliche song, obviously, Lose Yourself by Eminem, just the start of that song, and you're that dunk, 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 you know, you got one shot, one opportunity. You're just like, yeah, okay, I'm pumped. Like, I'm ready to go. I got so, it. You're yeah. right, I think. Yeah, yeah no, I love now, it. Now, the final question, because the last one is another drawing, but I'll get to that. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Now, this I, I think this is open-ended. Usually I say, like, your guilty pleasure food or your guilty pleasure whatever. This is just guilty pleasure in general. Okay, I got this. I got this. So um, I've started for my recovery, but also, like, my mental health. Um, I have baths. And I, to be honest, like, I don't know if I love my baths. I always post them on Instagram because I get, like, you know, the bath bombs and the candles <laughs> yeah. going and all that jam. But my super guilty pleasure is um, usually on a Sunday because that's like my big bath, uh, my Saturday, sorry, because it's my end of week training bath. 
I will get like the bath bombs, the, the salts, the, um, the essences, I get the candles going, I'll get my Netflix going. And then I'll have like either a glass of wine or a glass of kombucha, depending how the week's gone. And I'll <laughs> usually make chocolate coated strawberries and just sit oh. in the bath and like watch Netflix and eat chocolate coated strawberries. Wow. Yep. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you win. Yeah. That 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 yeah. trumps everything. That's that could be the best answer we've ever had on that this show. Just nailed just it. Saying. Well, I'm competitive, yeah. so like secretly yeah. I'm like, no, hell absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. No, you, you win right now. If I had a gold medal to give you, I would I would give it to you. Um oh, so just uh wow. Um the la- the other bit of homework here, Ash, is uh yeah. if you were an animal, which would you be? And it says draw and explain. Uh and uh Alicia's drawn a wolf. And it says, uh, because it is a powerful animal, loyal to its pack or confident on its own. And then I love how she's written also, why do you guys keep making me draw? <laughs> she's getting angry at her yeah. own Olympic committee. Wow. Okay. To be honest, like, we're, we're not super like great drawer. I mean, I, I don't know why I said that we as in speaking for all bobsledders. I'm sure there are some <laughs> secret, secret talents out well, there. Well, I mean, but, speak um, for yourself. I've heard Brie is an amazing artist. I hear she's, you know, got uh, some, some award-winning drawings going out uh, there. Oh, you know? that's, uh, that's, that's a that's a good good call. Um, I mean, if I had to, ex- I mean, do you want me to explain, like think about it or draw it? No, like, I, I want you to draw it. I, I expect I expect these photos to come in so we can share on our social media so that when this goes up, we can be like, look, this is the, the extent of how committed Ash is to this sort of stuff. So she will be an Olympic gold medalist because she's just so committed to her craft. So You're going to get my pictures and be like, well, thank God she's an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to get your go pictures. Down. I'm going to expect to see them on the bobsled. I'm going to expect to see like sort of oh. like a design, you know, or in your helmet. Oh. You know, I wouldn't do that to anybody else, but I'll definitely try. <laughs> I don't know if the AOC, like you know, you're mentioning like that sweet story before about the the Colombian athlete. I, I'm wanting to see a drawing on your hand, like win the gold medal, and you're holding up to the camera. Ben, look at this. This is for you. And again, your boyfriend thinking it's for him, and then we know it's secretly for <laughs> off the podium. So it, it works like, both ways. He's like, why is there a lion on your head? <laughs> is that a secret thing I missed? Remember that one time I called you my lion? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. And he's but, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I, I even know what animal I'm going to be. I got to draw this. Oh, oh yeah, I got Jeez. this. Jeez, I love the excitement level. This is oh. this is really good. All right, Ash, it's been so much fun chatting to you, learning a, a lot about the sport, a lot about yourself, and uh, obviously, best of luck coming up for the uh, the remaining months and, and the season that you're you're going to get there. We we always say it's not a matter of if you make the Olympics or if you win a medal. It's when you make the Olympics and when you win a medal. We may have, may have said that to Bree, but don't tell her. <laughs> You can beat her and win the gold. She can win the silver. It's not that bad. I'll keep it between us. Yes, just don't tell her, all right? Just don't tell her. I promise, I promise. But thank you so much for having me on. I had so much fun. I'm so, sorry about how much now you know about me and my inability to walk through door frames. Both our listeners are thrilled. Hugh and, and Daniel are loving it. So it's Daniel Rapaz like, I got this. And, and uh, Hugh Jackman's like, man, you know, him and I went to the same uni, so we're practically... Oh. You really are. You, you, you're acting all like blase, like, oh, if Hugh Jackman showed up. I mean, you, you may as well just text him right now. Like, clearly, you guys are besties. Oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just get on it.
What a fantastic chat there. Fantastic time. And I told you, it was a great interview. I told you it was one of the best interviews we've had on this show, without a doubt. So a big thanks to Ashley there for her time. A lot of fun. And we anticipate seeing those drawings as well. We will uh, post them online for you to see just exactly how she has drawn herself along the way. And we, of course, wish her luck ahead of Beijing, which is getting closer and closer by the minute. And as we keep saying here and off the podium in the lead up to Beijing, we're hoping to bring you an interview or at least an episode every single week in the lead up to the Beijing Olympics. And next week, we have another interview for you, another athlete who is on hopefully track for her third Olympic Games. I do, of course, speak of Danielle Scott, Australian freestyle skier, genuine medal hope as well ahead of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Of course, uh, one of our most prominent winter olympians in this country has been the face of the sport of aerials for quite some time and uh, definitely has got a lot going for her when it comes to the successes she has had and it's another fun chat as well you'll learn a lot about her interesting background how she got from where she did to now where she is into skiing and aerial skiing her olympic experiences and just what new training facilities here in australia have helped with when it comes to promoting sports such as aerial skiing in australia which of course is our most decorated sport when it comes to the Winter Olympics. So uh, tune in for that. It's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy our chat with Daniel Scott next week. In the meantime, hit us up on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to us on all the podcast channels as well to stay up to date with all these episodes and leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Got any ideas for guests? Is there a particular Olympian you would love us to track down and try and get on the show? We are open to anyone from any sport, from any country. So by all means, shoot us a message and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again to Ash. Thanks again for you for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to Off the Podium and we'll speak to you then. Good night. Good night.